Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Launch University. Jeff Henderson here with you. And as you know, here at Launch University, we want to help you take your idea, take it and turn it into reality and sustain it. And I am so excited today about our guest because she does that incredibly well. Courtney DeFeo, one of my friends for over 20 years now. So, Court, welcome to Launch University. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, as I mentioned, you and I have two decades of friendship. Tell our listeners how you and I met. Yeah, I started working. I think it's almost like getting into the CIA, as many say, right. but I'm one of those many people that worked at Chick-fil-A at some point in their career. And you know, it's part of my identity, scarily. I think I name drop it, you know, every uh, day or so. I uh, still haven't quite let go, but it was so fun working with you. And we go back to the marketing department days. I think you stole some of my billboard cows at one point. I used to work on billboards, and you stole them. But right? I, I put them on an operator's restaurant just know, to help you, sell more chicken. You, I know, but you swiped them. And then we got, we <laughs> literally got in a fight over some huge fiberglass cows. And I think, did you see me flowers after I, I did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So we go back to those days, had a lot of fun. I got to watch you do devotionals um, as a part of your job. You would do sports marketing and some really high-powered things, but you also did devotionals for our department, and it was really cool to watch you kind of figure that out and go, this is not just something I'm good at, but something I'm called to do. So watching you become a pastor, and then you were my pastor at Bucket Church. Which was probably weird because you're thinking, that's the guy that stole the two cows <laughs> and put it on the billboard of a store, at, a, at a restaurant. Stole's so. probably a, a yeah, big word. No, borrowed. Borrowed, borrowed. M- moved them. Moved them from one project to another. Mark Reed, the operator, though, he still talks about that to this day <laughs> and how much that helped his sales. But anyway. Okay, I, I, all I, in the name of chicken. You that's were right, selling that's chicken. That's right. Now, you and I are in that rare percentage of people who actually left Chick-fil-A. And uh, you're in Dallas now, so tell everybody what you're doing in Dallas and you and Ron. Yeah, yeah I have a great husband, Ron. He's the, he's the hidden secret of our family. I'm, I'm a little bit loud and braggadocious about my life. I'm like, I'm here, I'm there. Ron's the undercover agent that has actually got a stellar career, and he is head of communications at American Airlines. So they called him a couple years ago and asked them to come out and head out the communications department um, for the airline. So imagine his day. He's got about 30,000 complaints coming through his, wow. his email. Um, and so we headed out to Dallas a couple years ago, and um, we're enjoying it. It's a lot like Atlanta. Kids are thriving. And-, and speaking of ideas, Courtney is in town working on another idea that she has. And so what I want to do specifically is to talk about where do you first, where do you come up with the, these ideas? And um, you're just think you're more gifted than the rest of us, and yet not every idea is a great idea. So tell us about your ideation process. We're going to start there. And then I want to talk about what you do also so well is taking that idea and turning it into reality. So first, can you give us some idea tips about how do you come up with these ideas, or do they just find you? Yeah. Well, first I'll talk to you. I'll go back to Chick-fil-A. That was really the first environment where I started taking some strengths tests and some gifted tests. And I think they we called uh, Steve Nevedek, a friend of mine that I worked with there, called, we called each other high yellow because we scored on that test. And I forget even the name of it. It was like HBDI or something like that. But we scored off the charts yellow, which meant our ideation and our creativity went off the charts. And so I think when someone recognizes that in you, and says, no, not this isn't just something that you just randomly have ideas like this is who you are. Um, that was really affirming for me. And then not to not think I'm weird, that I do, I'm like a shark tank 
girl walking around going, and then we could do this, and then I have another <laughs> idea and another invention. And so then I felt like Chick-fil-A was an environment where they saw that in me, just like any good parent would do, that they would say, I see this giftedness in you, and then we're going to let you use that. And not every idea was great. I would share so many things in meetings, and you would see people look at me with these big eyes like, okay, Court, okay, <laughs> moving on. Or someone would spur off of that and say, okay, we may not be able to do that, but we could probably do that. And they would take parts of my crazy brain and move on to another idea. And so I really credit Chick-fil-A with letting me explore some of the big ideas. And like Cal Appreciation Day was one that Steve and I did together. And, you know, they thought we were crazy. And then later, a million people are dressing like cows. So I really appreciate that environment for letting me explore it. And I think you mentioned it too, um, not every idea, I may have 100 in a day or 10 or five, but getting out there and knowing that some are going to fail and being able to share it and be around people I know now who I can be around and the people that fuel me and people like you that I can call and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And knowing that you're not going to get shot down and you may have to protect yourself and know who you can't call. <laughs> <laughs> There's some people that can't process people like me. Right. Well, now, you, you may not be like Courtney and have all of these ideas. You, in fact, you really only need one really, really good idea. But Courtney, with someone like you that has all these ideas, how do you decide you got 10, 15 ideas? Where do you decide is, oh, I'm going to use, I'm going to go after that one? Yeah, I think when I left Chick-fil-A and decided I want to stay at home with my girls, what I found was the ideation and my brain churning did not turn off. And that was a really interesting, you know, conundrum I was under. I was like, I'm loving raising these girls. But it was an interesting passion point when it hit my need for parenting, my passion for raising my girls, and my brain for turning on ideas. And so I think where I could sit at home and think of a new sock idea or a deodorizer or a towel line, that would be fun. And I probably could sell a few. When it hit to a deep need in my own family and a deep passion point, especially partnering with my faith, that's when I came alive because the motivation became different. I thought I could talk about this for days because it matters to my family. So when I think your ideas mark up against and match up against your meaning and your purpose for your life, I think it skyrockets because then profits. I mean, profits do matter in a business. But for me, I'm like, I'll talk about this all day. I'll stay up at night working on this. I'll get up early in the morning. And I am so energized about this. And I think over time, there's certain ideas that keep bubbling up and you literally can't put them to rest. And then there's some that fizzle out. And so I think for me, that's the process of I've made mistakes in the past where I've wanted to act and jump and, and initiate and execute on every idea because they were fun and they were exciting. And now I've learned to just sit on them for a little bit. And some of them will fizzle out and some of them will literally not go away. And the one you and I have been talking about today has not gone away for about 10 years. Yeah. And that's a great point. I feel like every idea at least needs a 24-hour waiting period. Mm-hmm. Like I had an idea yesterday I was so excited about, but I woke up this morning and went, oh, I don't know. And... <laughs> But I think the energy level and the passion point are, are hints. Now, that doesn't mean it's, that's going to be easy. Um, so let's take us back to you've left Chick-fil-A, you're a mom, and then, but fast forward to today, you have your own, you have a retail site, you have ABC scripture cards, littlelightofmind.com. So for those that may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about that journey and then how you really turned this idea into reality. Yeah, I think... One of the things I mentioned was the passion point for me and my kids, but also what I was looking at what was missing in the marketplace. And so I was watching and kind of going after what did I need for my kids as far as character education, not like Disney characters, but character as in virtues and values. I was like, I want so desperately for me to teach them things that matter, but I was not finding it out in the marketplace. And I thought, this is not out there. And this was five or six years ago when there wasn't everything you could have possibly find on Pinterest, um, on Etsy, and not in Hobby Lobby. And so I would go into Lifeway or Family Life, and I'm like, this stuff is 
1982. And that sounds very superficial, but I really wanted Pottery Barn or Ikea or Trendy or Hipper Things to merge with the Christian faith. And I thought, this has, is not being done very well. You guys were doing it fantastic. I was at North Point, and I thought, they're doing very relevant things for my children. But Monday through Friday, I don't have some really practical things to use for my kids. So I remember coming to meet with you, and I said, Jeff, I have this idea. Like, I want my kids to know Scripture, but I want it to be cool enough, fresh enough that's going to sit out on my desk. And I showed you ABC Scripture cards, and I showed you another product called My Little Money Jars that really played off of what you guys were teaching about give, save, and live. And I said, I think this will work. I think parents will actually use these teachings in a way that it will sit out and they'll engage with it. And so your suggestion was, um, you know, have a hero product like Chick-fil-A does in the chicken sandwich, and I ignored you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was too excited because I thought I needed to have more than one product to be considered like a real deal. I didn't want to be like, oh, cute. She's got a craft at home and she's just a mom trying to – I wanted like to have a legit company. So I launched with two products. And what I learned was one of them went gangbusters right away and the other one did not. And so I was like, man, Jeff was right. Can you I, say that again? Jeff was right. <laughs> Jeff Henderson. Wendy, Jeff Henderson was That's right. right. So, but what I learned, if you go into Pinterest, and Pinterest is a big referral site for a lot of, um, you know, especially products that moms are looking for, they, Pinterest is a huge source. So if you go into Pinterest.com backslash source and then put your site, you can see where women and especially moms are pinning things. And what I could see is that women were pinning ABC scripture cards like crazy and buying them like crazy. This is the best thing. Oh, I can't wait to use these. This is what I've been looking for. Love them, love them, love them. And my sales were depicting that. What I could see behind the scenes, and I was doing this like, it felt like I was sneaking into people's computers, but I could see they were pinning my little money jars and saying, these are awesome. I can't wait to make them. Can't wait to make these myself. This is such a clever idea. Love them. And nobody was buying them. And so I had to have maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a year, but I had to have like let go of a child and go, this is, this did not work. But yeah. it was painful because yeah. you put so much effort into creating something and, and then seeing people just basically rip it off. But they were saying that it's too expensive, it's glass, and I literally can make these myself. And so after a while, I decided not to, and this is a key learning for people, to say like, that time wasn't wasted. It was a huge learning. Right. And what I did was I decided to make it a do-it-yourself post on my blog and said, here's how you can make these at home, because I still believed in the concept. I thought teaching kids finances and how to literally bucket their money as far as give, save, and live in jars matters for families. So let me put it on my site, drive traffic to my site for sales of the scripture cards, and then now it's a chapter in my book that I wrote a couple years later. Well, that's such a great example because it shows, Courtney, that you're more interested in your tribe and your community than making a buck off of your tribe or community. So if you finally said, you know what, here's how you make this, you should still get the scripture card. And we're not, we're certainly not against selling anything. Um, but I just felt like you said, you know what, I learned something from this. So I'm just going to deal with reality and move on. Yeah, I do. And I think that we're in a unique position. I talk to a ton of moms. Probably every week I'm having a conference call and I'm not inviting more. <laughs> but I do talk to a lot of women that are in that stage that are at home. They're feeling like they're not necessarily bored, but they're feeling like, is this all? you know? And I think there's a high, high purpose in motherhood. But you do get that urge to say, should I be doing something else? And, and it is hard to run a business with small kids. I would not recommend it. I mean, it is hard. You're constantly juggling if you're spending enough time on either side. But I will tell you that that season was tough to say, am I spending enough time on this business? And I had to look back and say, Ron, for us, Ron was providing the income at that time. And so for us, 
success of my small business, the decisions were not made on the buck and the profits. And I had to look at what do I want for my family? What do I want them learning? And it never came down to the money. So I gave away a ton. And I, that goes back to Chick-fil-A. I watched how much they sampled. I gave away, and, and I'm glad this is called launch, because I will look back to how I launched ABC Scripture Cards. And I sent a box that was worth, you know, it sold for 25 bucks. It wasn't like a free small nugget. You know, this was like a $12 giveaway that I sent to, you know, hundreds. I would just send them to other people that I thought needed them, and then they got the word out. And so I think the big expansion of how those got out there, you know, they eventually were on The View, and Lisa Turker showed them, and, you know, it went pretty gangbusters after that. But I do think the generosity of me being able to say, this is about this God's Word and Scripture getting hearts of kids, me really weren't wanting that more than anything, fueled that generosity, and then the sales came after. So you have this idea, and then the next thing you know, you're on The View. So as you're, <laughs> as you're being interviewed on The View, do you go, wow. I'm being interviewed on The View. Well, the cards were interviewed on The View. I got to sit in the audience. But that was a really cool moment yeah. where I got to say Rhonda Feo was right. Because what happened was Elizabeth Hasselbeck was still there. She had not left for Fox News yet. And she ordered, she emailed me. And I thought it was like a trick. I thought someone was playing like a joke on me. But she emailed me and ordered 10. And she was just a mom and said, I don't want to do really internet sales, but can I just send you a check? And I'm like checking. And I'm like, is this the real Elizabeth Hasselbeck? And so I said, sure, I'll mail you 10. And so I wanted to Instagram, tweet, Facebook, and literally hold a banner in front of like the World Congress Center saying, I have my first celebrity customer, you know, and my wise, wise husband, who obviously is a PR guy, said, she did not give you permission. She did not endorse your product. She is a mom and she is a customer. You cannot do that. So I was pretty bummed that he was saying, cool your jets, sister, you know, just calm down. And so I'm so glad that he gave me that counsel because think about the impact of what that small bluff of me basically bragging on myself saying, she bought 10, I stayed quiet, and then three months later, a producer calls from The View and said, hey, Elizabeth has chosen her 10 favorite things of the year, and she has chosen your scripture cards of one of her favorite things of the year. Would you like to have them on the show? And I'm like, um, yes. I don't have to pray about <laughs> yes, that. Yes, yes, I'm good. And then she said, you know, it's a military audience. It's, it was, And the cool thing was it was one of her final shows. I think it was her final show before she left her Fox. And it was just so neat to watch the story. And she had like a another... Um, book about faith, and she had Toby Max sing, and they were trying to pull any of the Christian products like off of the show, and and she made sure that they were on there, and so I said, well, yes, I'll I'll provide some for all the military families. I said, can I come? <laughs> and they said, well, sure. The audience is filled with military families. You might have to sit backstage. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, I can sit backstage. So I ended up going and ended up being able to sit in the audience. But I just remember just crying, you know, when the cards rolled out and she's standing there talking about them. I'm like, only God would have orchestrated something so much bigger than if I had tweeted it and bragged about it myself and just waited and been patient um, on the timing. So it was really cool. It was really neat. And speaking of that, speaking of waiting, you've done a really good patient but strategic job of really building your tribe and community. And you're, you're, you're famous in mom, mom world. And I got an example of that a couple of years ago when you came to visit us here at Gwinnett Church. And then you walked in with Wendy and somebody texted me, is that Courtney DeFeo? <laughs> Oh Courtney, yes, it is. So I didn't even know this world. And so obviously, because I'm not a mom. And so it was just another testament to your, you know, your genius and your hard work. But you really do care about the people that are reading your blog. And you've been, you know, just a consistent contributor to that, whether it's a blog or Facebook or whatever. So the reason I say all that is you've been a great tribe builder. So for a launcher, that's one of the things we have to do is build a tribe. And what are some tips that you could give us about 
rewarding your tribe, being faithful to your tribe, and serving your tribe. Yeah, I think if you, I get caught up in this and I've not done it well all the time because, you know, when you launch a book and all of a sudden it's, you're so care about the message and you get out there and then you realize there's actual expectations from a publisher, you're like, oh shoot, I have to actually market this thing. <laughs> and you can get caught up in platform and, you know, doing that all. But I have to keep reminding myself and I would remind anyone that's listening that they're actually faces, they're not just followers. And these are actually people that's that good. care and that are, have families. And so when I can either, whenever I give a message or whenever I write one blog post, I have to remember that my goal isn't thousands. My goal is one mom every time. And so I can get really disappointed in myself if you know, only 20 people look at one thing or, you know, and I look at somebody else that does what I do. You know, I look at sweet Lisa Turkers, love her, but anything she puts out, it's like one bazillion people shared her <laughs> thing. And you can get really down on yourself. But if you think if all of that was worth it for one mom to feel encouraged that she has a tool that she can share how to be patient with her kids or she can feel like I'm in it with her. Um, I would also say be vulnerable. The more that you can share your struggles and be vulnerable to show that your reader that you're not an expert telling them what to do, that you're just in the journey with them, they'll feel endeared to you, that they know you. And so it's been tricky now that my kids are older because I feel like I have to be more careful that I'm not sharing their story for them. So now they're 8 and 10, and I can say, hey, girls, I was about to share this picture of y'all choking each other. Um, is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that Mother's Day. I was on stage at our church, and I said, are, are y'all good with this picture? And they said, yeah, that's funny. So I think when they were little, when I would share that this is not just all cupcakes and fun over here. This is hard, but here's how I dealt with it, and here's how we're handling it as a family. That helps a little bit. That's great. Now, you— You've written a book since, and so, and then you're you're in town, and you're talking about this new idea that may roll out sometime in Mother's Day. So, but you've decided I'm going to focus in on this 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 new idea. You mentioned being a mom, and uh, we've had several moms and parents on on launch. Monica Lage, a friend of ours, yeah, love Monica, and she um, she talks about having to cancel the launch university interview with David Farmer because one of her kids got sick. So how do you balance all this with, I want to talk about this new idea. We won't talk specifics, but just kind of how you're approaching it. But how do you balance life outside of this business that you started? Yeah, you'll laugh because only me would come up with this visual in my brain, but I felt like this was so helpful for me last year because I do have big dreams and ideas and I literally will see something on the side of the road and go, I could do that. We could turn this into that. And I will probably call someone like you and throw it out there. But I got the visual driving down the road one day of literally a stovetop. So if you can think of a stovetop with maybe six or seven or eight big burning eyes of a stove. And I was really having a struggle. I thought, how can I do this? Like, I want to be a great mom. I, my husband has a huge job and he just needs dinner at some point. Like, he's just so burnt out. He, or he just needs us to be home. I don't even, he didn't even care about dinner. He's like, is anyone here? <laughs> and, and so I really was praying and thought, do I need to quit all of this and just literally bag, shut down little out of mine? The book has been out for a couple of years. Should I just quit altogether? And so I was praying about that, and I just really felt like God gave me the word simmer. And so I was looking at these eyes of a stove thinking, like, they're all on high. They're, like, literally all boiling water. And could I just simmer, not turn them off? And I just didn't feel like that was a piece to turn them off. And so I looked at all the buckets, and I can bucket most of my stuff by speaking, by products, by blog writing, and most of them all I felt like I should turn to simmer and low. And the only ones that I could keep on high right now I felt clearly were my family. And speaking is on like a mid to high because I really enjoy it, but within the discernment of when Ron and I can handle it. Is it once a month? Is it local when they're in school and I can get back by the time, you know, they I pick them up from carpool? 
Um, and then the other one is this product product that you and I have been talking about. And it's just been so clear. This is something I've been burdened by for the last year. It's a mother-daughter product that I care about because, like I said, this means something to me. It's what right. my daughters are going through, and it's what I want to be investing in them. And so I'm really excited about that to go, I do have other products. I have a whole list of products that I would love to continue to create that there's time. I only have 10 years left with my girls. I'm halfway through, through 8 and 10, but I literally only get, let's think about spring breaks, okay? I get like maybe four or five that they want to be with me. The three or four they're in high school, they're not going to with me. So Ron and I have made lists of like, where do we want to show them and where do we want to go with them? They're last, you know, seven or eight spring breaks. And so I think for everybody, it's no one accomplishes work-life balance. It's just a constant conversation. It's a constant struggle to say like, tame it's almost like taming a stallion i think david said that one time it's like i'd rather tame a stallion than like kick a horse it's like um kick a mule i guess but um it's a constant balance for me but simmer has been my big word turn them down i love that visual though because you you know there may be some times where you can turn it up like you're mm-hmm. this product that you're going to turn up between now and mother's day and um or you may, may need to simmer some down and and you just saw jesse my daughter she's you know as you know a few weeks away from you know doing what your daughters will do in about 10 years which is um, go to college. So it, it does it does go really fast, but I think you've done a great job of balancing all this, and I love the stovetop um, uh, analogy. Now, another great thing you do is social media. So anytime we're with someone that's just great at social media, I just want to ask, what are some tips? Because this is still a relatively new thing we're talking about here, um, just a few years in, I think. So what are, what are some tips that you could give our launchers on how to leverage social media to build your tribe? Man, I have to think about that because if you went to my Instagram right now, you would pull it up and you would go, oh, she's a mom. But what I do is I try to get really personal on what I see and what's impacting me. And I have, you know, maybe five or 6,000 people following me on Instagram. I don't have 100,000, but I'm just me. And for a while there, I felt the pressure to be like a perfectly quafted, like the beautiful images with the right saying, you know, I mean, there's some pretty Instagrams out there. And I just figured out like, I just can't do it. Like I don't have the graphic designer in me. I don't have the staff. I don't have the time to do it. But I would say like, almost like if you think about that, instead of getting down on yourself, like that 5,000, if you think about that, if they were 5,000 people right now outside your office, Jeff, That's right. I would have, if I had like three sentences to say to them, here's what I would say about Ella having to struggle with courage at the end of her school year. So I have like I have a chance to just depart one little nugget as I'm sitting with my girls and they're having their last day of school. So I just feel like every chance you get on social media is not a chance to teach someone something. It's just to like impart just a little bit of nugget on someone's life. And I would say do what you love. You know, you cannot, if you're a one person running a small business, you cannot spend all day on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, you just can't. And you can't learn them all. They're all changing so fast with the algorithms and everything. And so one of the, Ruth Sokup, she has a blog called Living Well, Spending Less. And her team, she's a full-time blogger. Her husband stays at home. She's like, this is her business. And her advice is that you just pick one, learn it, and focus on it for six months. One social media channel. Yep. So she learned Facebook. She's like, focuses, narrows in on it. And she grew her Facebook to like 400,000 in six months because she just, like I said, learned it, advertised on it, was consistent with it. But I didn't. I'm at carpool. So I would say I know what to do. I just don't. I'm basically with my kids. So I can preach a good sermon um, (laughs) on it. But I I basically right now I'm enjoying Instagram. I enjoy posting things on my kids. And like today, I'll post something about enjoying my time with you. And hopefully someone will go over. Maybe three people will listen to Launch University. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Um, The the other thing I'd love to tie into is, is your ability 
to just sustain things. It's not mm-hmm. just launch, but it's sustain things. I mean, you've done that with some products. Obviously, we've all had products that didn't work as well as others. So the other side of this equation is turning the idea into reality, but then sustain it. So mm-hmm. what are some sustaining things? Have you been able to, to scale some of your ideas? Yeah, I would tell you, ABC Scripture Cards has been really interesting to watch those continue to fly and continue to be like a like a shocking new and fun idea five years later. People are like, what? It's what I've been looking for. And so I, I would say that's obviously God's favor on something. He's a big fan of God's His Word in people's <laughs> hearts. So I don't want to take all the credit for that. But I will tell you that remember the value of your product. And if you can continue to share what the value is of that product, or again, you do this so well, what problem you're trying to solve. And so as I go and speak, and as I go on Instagram or Facebook, I remind people the power of God's Word in in your family's life. And so if you continue to tell that story a million times over and over again, people will see the need for the product. So it's not just to decorate. It's not so you get a gold star and you feel like a good parent. It's like, I literally need it. Like Ella's tired at night and she's scared and she weren't, you know, wants to know what do I do when I'm scared at night? So I say H is he cares for you. You know, she has a friend problem at school and I didn't know what to tell her before, but now I know that K is keep your tongue from evil. Don't say anything back. And so when I can reiterate that I've actually used the product and it's helped me my own parenting, I have moms jumping all over it because they're in the same desperate position where they want their kids to do well. They don't know what to tell them. They don't have time to say, hold on, let me go look at my Bible. I need to find a verse for that. It's like they need it top of mind. So communicate the need. um, Clearly talk about the problem that you're trying to solve and really hone in on that value and make it simple to understand. I think we get tired of telling the story, but you know, the same people are not on Facebook. You'll get brand new customers all the time. That's such a great point as well, because you know, we're, when you launch a product, when you're in it on a daily basis, you just think that the whole world knows about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so we're so surprised with this is the first time you've heard of this, yeah. <laughs> but it's a big, big world out there. And uh, so I think that's a great idea to go or mindset to have. You know, you've got to make sure that people, you know, that people haven't heard of your product yet. For example. When we worked at Chick-fil-A, the Atlanta market was one of one of my markets, and some of the operators thought, "Are we? how much longer are we going to do this cow thing? Because everybody's <laughs> heard about it, right? So we actually did research and d- discovered it in Chick-fil-A's hometown with this cutting breakthrough advertising campaign. It was just beginning to barely break through, and that's big old Chick-fil-A. So imagine, you know, launchers like us having a breakthrough. It's hard to break through and, mm-hmm. and connect with the, the, the mind of the audience. So are there some things that you're doing right now? But you, with ABC Scripture Cards, you've created partnerships and made it scale. So it's kind of, in a sense, I mean, you pour fuel on it when you blog about it or Instagram mm-hmm. about it, but it's it's got a system going now. Yeah, now they're, uh, Magnolia Lane is the manufacturer out of Birmingham that now produces them because I had to make a balance decision for my family. I basically had child labor with my children. I'm like, Larson, <laughs> do the bows, Ella, do the boxes. And so I had to make a decision whether I wanted more profits or I wanted family balance. And so that's another decision. It's not for everybody, but... You know, I said, do I want a bigger paycheck or do I want to be able to be with my kids at night? And so they took over manufacturing, which I'm so grateful. They've done a great job. And so they get them into stores all over. But I think one of the things I will tell you from just a straight PR tip is anytime a new store takes it, you that's an excuse. You can get it. That's just newsworthy and may not be that big of newsworthy, but that's an excuse to get on social media and say, hey, you know, this store in Birmingham is now selling ABC scripture cards. Take that as any chance to get on and announce something. Hey, I ran out of stock. Now they're back in stock. So anytime is an excuse to get back on social media 
and update people. Hey, we got a new look or there's a new version. And so I, you know, I may be relentless. My followers may be like, oh, my word, another thing on ABC scripture cards. But every time we get new customers and they're still consistently selling, it's one of the like top 10 products at Magnolia Lane. Fantastic. Now, final question. You we, you mentioned this product between, we're recording this in June and probably come out sometime, you know, early part of next year. How, what are you going to do to start simmering that up from a project timeline? I mean, do you think, do you, do you have a timeline? Do you have deadlines? How do you, is there a process like that? How do you best work? We had a, one of our guests, Carrie Newhoff, says one of the best things that you can do is find out um, what you're good at and when you're at your best. Mm-hmm. Uh, do what you're best at when you're at your best. So are you, do you get up early? Do you stay up late? How do you get these, how will you work to get this idea launched? I'm laughing because I think he's trying to pin me on a deadline right here live. <laughs> And I also have like PSD from my last book where I was like, I'll never write a book again. And this one's not a book, but I do have to do some writing. And if I think back to when I wrote my first book, it was at night. I'm not a morning person. Ron's like Santa Claus, like skipping to the coffee maker. And I'm like shoving people to the floor. I'm like, move (laughs) over. So I think at night um, when I get the kids in bed and I can like clearly think and I'll just dive in. Or, um, you know, with the book, a chapter would take me eight hours or so. And I would have to go to a Panera Bread or a quiet place and just dive in, get my headphones on and, and go. In. So I think I've just got to get in the mindset that this is a writing season and I am an extrovert. I would talk all day, as you know. And so I have to get in that space to say, this is going to be a lonely few months where I've just got to get in there and do this. And I love what's about to come out. This is going to be a resource that's going to help so many moms and daughters. And if I can keep reminding myself of the end game and the purpose of what it's for, that I'll, I'll get excited. And that's what I've been asked to write a second book so many times, you know, by publishers. I'm like, I I don't want to write just to write because I could. And I don't want to write because I could market something. It's got to be fueled by passion deep, deep in my heart because the, the process is too painful. Like, I don't want to market something right. <laughs> that I didn't really care that much about. You know what I mean? Well, you've, you've called me on several occasions and said, I can't get this idea out of my, my brain. I, I just feel like I got to do this. So that that's a really good reminder or I think a... a not a so subtle reminder to go, I think I got to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to be working with you again. I think we've talked about and joked about working together for so many years and it took us a while, but here we are. So we'll be hanging. And you're working with a couple of other Hendersons. That's right. Jesse and Wendy and I, I, you know, my daughter's 10 and eight. So, you know, this is going to be more of a tween product, but I'm so excited to be working with Jesse and she's, Jesse and Wendy have been through this kind of experience together. And so we'll have something for people. I know it's frustrating and ambiguous. I think a lot of my followers are like, what are you doing? We need it now. And I said, it'll be worth the wait. I promise if you'll give me and Wendy and Jesse time to get this right, it will be so much a better product. Because I, I could whip something together for sure. I'm an idea girl. I could have it next Tuesday for you. But if you'll give Jesse and Wendy and I time and you um, to work this out, I think it will be what people need for decades. And I think one of the things I'm discovering as a launcher is that, I mean, I'm all about done is better than perfect and try to get this thing out as fast as possible. But I do think even that said, it does take a little bit longer than anyone would expect right, right. Uh, to, to, to launch. So, so we'll see. So you can follow Courtney to see what this idea is on uh, her social media platforms, her blog. So Court, tell everybody how they can follow along with you. Yeah, this is a great tip for everybody. Think about your name before you choose it, because mine is a little light of mine, L-I-L, light O mine. I thought it was cute. The logo was cute, but when you try to spell it, good grief. So Courtney DeFeo, D-E-F-E-O, you can find me there, or little light of mine. Great. Courtney DeFeo, you're awesome. Thanks. And tell Ron, hey, you know, Courtney went to Auburn like my wife, and Ron went to Georgia like me. So (laughs) So my girls will go to Auburn. Thank you very much. Poor Eagle. (laughs) Well, hardy war eagle and a hardy go dogs. Well, um, 
guys and gals, thanks for listening to Launch University. Again, you can follow Courtney DeFeo at CourtneyDeFeo.com and uh, excited about this new project that she's working on. And as always, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Launch University and leave us a comment. We'll talk back to you. And we're so thrilled that you're a part of Launch University. And we simply want to help you take your idea, turn it into reality and sustain it. So on behalf of Courtney, Dave Farmer, Shane Benson, and Kevin Jennings, who you know, you know Kevin and you don't know Kevin. I don't think so. Yeah, but you know David and Shane. Oh, yeah. Eat more chicken. And they're probably playing golf while I'm here at work. <laughs> yeah, right. So we'll see y'all Shane, next time. Shane, maybe. Shane, not David. Yeah. Well, David's pretty good, believe it or oh. not. Yeah, yeah. He's a lefty. A, but okay. Anyway, so David and Shane, if you are listening, I hope you have a great time on the back nine. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here working in the offices at Launch University. We'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped move you from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Find more great resources at launchu.net.